how like you know sure he's a monster like everybody else except that he made his choices instead of you know everybody else was like born a monster or whatever the line is so we're, we're thinking like hey that's not completely conclusive but maybe he just you know maybe had taken up the coin by then right so Mm-hmm. Which feeds into my theory, which is like, yeah, okay, there's not direct evidence yet. I'd like to hear a word of Jim on it. But like, you know, the whole thing with guard and preparing the bullet and being out for a week. And he's like, we need some way to mass produce this. If only I had a coin of a fallen angel to do it. Spoilers. So <laughs> you're welcome. I figured that was an okay cold open. So Yes. <laughs> now, welcome. Better. So does rest of the files podcast. For all your yeah, Dresden file podcasting needs, except no substitute. <laughs> yeah, none of the other ones. We're, Narcissistic, we're aren't you? With, <laughs> we're starting off with a Marcone cold open to throw you off the trail because we're talking about Justine. <laughs> My God, it's like an infiltrator and, and stuff. Ooh, yeah, that was totally intentional. Good job, EG. I know. <laughs> I'm picking up what you're laying down. See, my directing is paying off. I ordered him to show up and talk. <laughs> Let's not go that far. <laughs> yeah. So we should warn you, we're going to swear and shit, and we're going to spoil the fuck out of everything because talking about Justine at this point necessitates that. So if you have not read all of the books and all of the stories... Then and what the fuck are you that, doing on the end of this podcast? Yeah, right. If you don't know Justine's hour. the bad guy now, don't watch the episode. No, you ruined it. I know, right? I mean, as soon as I open my mouth and say the word spoilers, you should be disconnecting at that point because, you know. <laughs> Maybe. So Justine went through many changes in this series so far and probably is going to uh, go through many more. Changes. Thanks. Okay. <laughs> um, like, so we see her first in Grave Peril, and she's attached to Thomas and had already been involved in the spat between Thomas and Bianca, right? Because Bianca wanted her. Mm. And so this is one of the reasons why Thomas was disliked. He was basically going to be murdered at the party. Uh, and she's clever enough to get Harry to help Thomas out. But that doesn't go as planned. <laughs> Does it ever? No, of course not. But especially not in the early books. <laughs> it goes about as well as all the early books go. <laughs> yeah, especially not during Grave Peril and Bianca's party. But then when they're locked up together in Bianca's basement, laundry room, whatever, uh, Justine basically reveals that she's fucking crazy. <laughs> Has some form of maybe mood disorder, I would guess, because she her moods change on a dime and medication hasn't worked for her, but Thomas and feeding on her can just make her a bit tired. So she's much more stable. Ironically, whatever the mood disorder is, it's stabilized by vitamin D. Ayo, you're welcome. So (laughs) this was supposed to be a good Christian podcast. (laughs) We had a pastor on once. So yeah, a long time ago. And he's not a lot of that did you heretic. (laughs) So she's as loopy as a crochet convention, I think, is the line from Grave Peril. And she stays that way until Blood Rites. Like, we don't really see her again, I don't think, until Blood Rites, right? Uh, No, because in Death Mess, it's just Thomas. Because she's in Aruba. And 
Yeah, so blood rights is when he almost kills her. Right. So she's stable and aware when talking to Harry of she's going to go to him and it's going to kill her. And she's okay with that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're addicted and you shouldn't be making this decision, something or other, white knighting her. And she acknowledges all of that and then she still goes to him. And I then mean, Thomas is like, get to just call it white knighting when she's literally about to commit suicide as far, like for all intents and purposes. Like this isn't like, you know, some, some kind of like half baked thing. It's like a sure. firefighter's like you are running into a burning building. Maybe don't. That's, right. Is that white knighting? So, no, there <laughs> like, is the certainty that she's going to die. Okay. But right. there was no other option. And it's literally he dies or she dies. So when he's, yeah. when Harry says, no, you don't die. It's like, yes, but you don't want Thomas to die either. And what is the other option? She's making a choice. Let her make the choice. Okay. So I would I would call Harry's just kind of like reflexively trying to help her instead of being able to provide a better option. All I'm going to say is pit trap and then leave it. Because like also it, at this point, she's the only hope Thomas has because isn't Laura pretty sure he's going to die anyway, right? So, like, best case, she kill, like he kills her and he makes it. Worst case, they both die for no reason. So, pit trap, right? Thomas is already in the pit. You don't jump in the pit to get him out. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> but I think it's just, like, Harry's lizard brain of must protect woman regardless of cost. I, yes, in the moment, I'm sure that's his justification. I'm just saying, like, if you take a step back, what the hell else was he going to do? That's what I'm saying. Like, Yeah, totally. There is, yeah. I don't know, he could throw one of the Barbies down there, maybe. <laughs> right, yeah. I know, it, it does seem a little weird that the rights don't just have, like, a refrigerator full of people to just be like, in case of emergency, crack one open and... You know. Yeah, and it, he could have gone and taken one for the team, and everybody would have been really happy with their slash fiction. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I know it, it covers like four or five different things, right? So none of them are good. None of them are good. They're all worse than the other. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like the least offensive one is the fact that it, it's gay, and then it becomes like you know. Yeah, or by Thomas becomes, is by, yeah. so you know. I think he's generally stated he, his tastes don't run that way, but it you know when you're near death and you're an incubus, you probably just can take whatever you can get. Yeah, he is actually ironically the straightest whitest male in the entire series. Thomas, because he's that pale and he's that much, <laughs> so. and and he's a paladin, you know, mm. worthy of be. wielding the sword. We're talking yes. about Justine, so he, he will be paladin. <laughs> Yeah. He will be. Probably. He will take up Amarakis. Or he'll be a didden. <laughs> the sex vampire is the straight edge in the but, man. What I mean, Thomas the... might be out until the the trilogy, even like, and then he gets like brought brought out with the sad. sword. I mean, I kind of hope so, but at the same time, if that happens, then I have to deal with butters for the rest of the series until he gets out, and I really don't want that. Well, I mean, by seniority, right? So if Butters doesn't die in the next couple of books, like Sonya's going to have to, right? And then that makes Butters... But that, you leave Sonya alone. <laughs> so, so Butters is going to be the, the senior knight, and he's going to have to train the next generation. And, no. you get something, the whole, like, something youngling Star Wars just, reference here. Yeah. Harry <laughs> Justin has lost a planet. How, embar- how embarrassing. No. 
So Justine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, they're even going to have a little baby vampire running around too, right? So maybe the baby little. is the one wielding Amarakis. Sure. <laughs> you know, when it comes out with tentacles, it could wield all three blades at the same time. Awesome. It's perfect. The first outsider knight of the cross. <laughs> Do it, Jim. Don't be a coward. Right. <laughs> More hentai jokes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if you're going to bring it up, but no, I'm not. Thomas going is going to be so pissed because she clearly slept with like Harbinger instead. Like, wait a minute. Why is this kid half mop? So. No, he's going to be pissed because he slept with Harbinger. <laughs> <laughs> Justine yeah. was just a meat sack. So uh, the remnants of her meat sack still alive in blood rice, but she's, <laughs> this sounded terrible. Right. Uh, yes. she, that was not your best transition. No. <laughs> I think it was stunning and brave. Yeah. Thank you very much. Let's see. Uh, so that's when she gets all the white hair and everything, which is very cool looking and very fitting for the wraiths, but she's right. still not, together she doesn't she doesn't seem to be coherent she can barely move they had her in wheelchairs and whatnot but she's still got a connection with thomas yeah so. because the the piece that he ate that she could still kind of pay attention to she's a thomas lojack right hey the rest and, of my soul is in that direction so <laughs> right and then we don't see her again until turncoat i don't think white knight no, White Knight, that one. Yeah, because in the deep. Right. And that's kind of, that's where she, like, it's in that between that, that's about where she's kind of gotten taken over, right? Well, that's Presumably, what Nemesis right. said. Well, if, yeah, yeah, Nemesis says it took her over when she started getting close to Lara, which is around now, because she's more functional. Now, if you read the yeah. first passage where Harry meets her at the deep, she already sounds like a crazy person who could be outsider infected because she's not really focusing on him. And she's talking in a voice that's not quite whatever. And it's like, oh, it's Harry Dresden. You know, it's it's the kind thought, of the way I mean, she says it where it's like, yes, I could see she maybe got it after when the outsider actually gets whistled up. But, you, you know, you can make the argument that she already was in that moment. Well, well so she probably she like is. But that wouldn't be the, the evidence that I would put it because she was acting right. all loopy and crazy because people expected her to be loopy and crazy. And then right. as soon as they were alone, she drops it. Mm -hmm. right. And then yeah. she's stable and intelligent, and she's talking ancient Etruscan. That too. So, like, right. that's the point. Like, that transition is even where Harry, like, asks, like, "Aren't you crazy?" And like, touched in the head. Why are you acting normal? And now she I'm just touched by more things. <laughs> right. Medicine. I've been touched yeah, by. Yeah. She just says medication, even though the now we know that that's false. Well, I'm sure outsiders are a hell of a drug. So. Mordite is the best medicine I know of. It takes care of your problems like that. Yeah. For the rest of your life. Headache and your head. The rest of your life. All of your pain goes away. Right. Right. I mean, some of what uh, Nemesis said could be like, as soon as she was getting close to Lara, but that could have been even earlier than blood rights. Maybe that was even the reason that she survived. Well, I mean, I, I would I would attribute that enough to yeah. Thomas being able to pull back, but and, well, so obviously her not dying outright, but I would I would attribute most of her recovery to Nemesis at this yeah. point. 
you mm -hmm. know, like Nemesis was like, shit, if only I had an inside. And then they were like, oh, look at this husk of a person. <laughs> Here's a mostly empty so, shell. Enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> right. Exactly. Like it, it could not have been more perfect for Nemesis, you mm -hmm. know, that that she's crazy on her best of days. Now she's like 10 percent of that. And she's already inside the Wraith house, so... And let's face it, I mean, he who walks behind gets whistled up in that book, so there's already outsiders running around. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, crazy to think, like, how many times two of them are on screen at the same time now, you know, and one of them is, like, in your face doing the thing, and the other one's in the background or whatever, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, she, of course she's she's not in like at the bar in Cold Days, but you know, Cold Days does have two of them, right? So yeah, yeah, pretty on the much island. on screen at the same time. Like, I, I mean, that just yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I I know I tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and like you know, ah, whatever. He's he hasn't failed us so far, but like, why would two outsiders not coordinate the attack then if she was taken that far back? You know, like. What exactly is the play when you're like, hey, two out of three of our Archangel level powers are here on the island. <laughs> yeah. One's on the outside and one's on the inside of this magic circle. Yeah, that's that's all the power you would have needed to bring about the apocalypse right there. So. Right. So Justine on the inside of the circle. Um, well, Maeve too. I mean, and, yeah, and Maeve. Right. It's like everything was happening right there. And if Justine had acted, then everything would have turned right then that would have been like the complete destruction of it because Mab was in the circle. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. It probably so would have been better if the decision was that once Maeve died, it went into Justine rather than it being there the whole time. Well, and that, that, so that begs the other question, right? We've talked about how many beings nemesis can inhabit. Do we have like a hard number on that? Or less less than forty thousand starborn, based right. on the way I the based on the way I joked with it. Yeah, I mean, I we got the impression. But, but he did that say he more than one, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. more than one, but less than forty thousand. So people were kind of like maybe like three, maybe thirteen, maybe you know some yeah. form of significant 13 is number, the magical number, right. whatever. Right. So which yeah, it's just so again, oh, whatever the number see. is, even if it's as low as two. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> right. So. There is he who walks before, he who walks within, Maeve, Cat, Sith, all at the island. Anyone I'm forgetting? Why'd you change his name? It's not he who walks within. Aside. Right? Oh, I can fucking get that wrong every time. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that being the most plausible name. No, it was always beside. <laughs> it's the bees. Right. Before, beside, behind. Well, I have you for a reason, okay? And he who walks... Because I respond to messages, that's why. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can't remember what day it is, which I sympathize on that. But All right. There are worse so, things in the world. So there was four outsider people on the island in cold days, at least. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. Outsider people being two of them. Possessed. Although one of so. one of them got yeeted into the ocean, so it's probably <laughs> right. not. And was yeah, a cat, gone so that me. was like his kryptonite right there. So right. He's going to have that awkward walk around for like 30 minutes while he dries off, you know? Just, so. I mean, I like <laughs> the idea of coming, I mean, him coming back, but now that we know that um, Grimalkin's taken over the Eldest Mantle, he might actually just be dead. He's Unless just, he's just taking over the responsibility and just gets it because Katsith can't do what he's doing anymore. I like that one he better. Fell, 
Nah, he fell into the ocean, which we or well, not the ocean. It's a great lake, but we already know that's Mab's domain. So Mab's right. got him in. But he made well. But he makes the he made the comment when we brought this up about how you know not everyone has Mab's attention like Harry does to come and. Yes, but Cat Sith at the when he right. was protecting Harry during the order when she gave him to kill Maeve, like that's got to have gotten her attention. Well, and sure. he's got an eldest mantle. He he's a valuable asset, regardless. Like she can afford to put him in the in the icicle for a couple of years. You know, <laughs> maybe not show up every day like she did with Slate and Leah, but you know, like I'll I'll come back to you, but I need that mantle for later. You know, and. Or you have recovery. And she took him and said, nope, Grimalkin, yeah. you're up. She, she just like, okay, we're done. So she was nearby. So. And so listen, it's the next one up. It's just like the other fairy mantles. You <laughs> get rid of you, except for, you know, the night one, obviously. The sharks got him. Oh, that poor cat. Because so. <laughs> there's obviously sharks. Maybe Santa Claus night. picked him up. So now he's the Yule cat. Yes. Okay. <laughs> wow. So oh, yeah, we, we, got, the... we got no fucking idea what we're talking about, man. We can't give you spoilers. Like, no. who can script this shit? <laughs> Speaking of Santa Claus, I recently got a real-life friend into Dresden, and he's been, like, consuming them. I was so... really kind of hoping that sentence had ended with real-life friend. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> <laughs> I so, was thinking your real life friend was Santa Claus. So, like, well, he's just—he's gotten to changes now, uh, <laughs> and like she's like, "Oh yeah, really?" I mean, after this and this, we're talking about back and forth. Like, I was just really confused. Confused. All of a sudden, Odin was in the book because he wasn't really like. I think it's like he just he's, I didn't even think about it, but he's just kind of like dropped in there. And in, in, uh, well, yeah, he only gets mentioned as Vatarung and White. He gets mentioned once. before, right? But she's like, all of a sudden, he just meets Odin. I was like, man. That just seemed like really big. Yeah. Like, yeah well, out of nowhere. It seems like your friend was paying as little attention or less than Harry was, though, because like Harry actually puts that one together, right? So, like, up, no, up I think until I'm, Oslo, I think you don't know, but once you get there, I don't like, know. Once right, you're going through the waves and, and you're you going know. to meet guards, boss. I was going to say, yeah, once a Valkyrie's taking you to headquarters, you probably got a safe bet of who you're going to meet. Right. Yeah. And then the two crows, you know, like. But yes, that all. It wasn't so much the hints. I think it was more. I think he realized. We didn't really ask him, but I assume he realized that he knew that guard's boss was kind of that was Odin. But it was more that he was like, 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 all of a sudden meeting. I think he puts Odin higher than stuff like Mab and stuff because Odin is like a god. Sure. In in a way, it's like all of a sudden he's just meeting Odin. He was like that. That seemed like a really big deal. Gotcha. Part of my reaction was I thought I thought it was like the way you explained it made it sound like Odin shows up at the battle and that was the first clue and I'm like boy did you miss a couple hints if that's the case he hasn't gotten to the battle yet he just got <laughs> to I hope Harry breaking his back or something I think <laughs> gotcha yeah. everything that book is so good at just like watching people's emotional reactions. Like, oh my god, this happened, and then that happened, and then they're like just like startled from the next thing to the next, and then and then they're heartbroken. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've seen that many like you know kind of reactions to, but Mike's book review did do that one where like people say, please record when you read changes, and it was pretty funny to watch him and he's like when he's like, and he's not new. He's a very stoic guy, kind of right. But he's when he just kind of puts the book down, he's like. 
I don't remember what he says. Like kind of like well shit, kind of like that, right? Something. <laughs> that's the sentiment. Yeah, do you remember watching now that what? video of his? Because like he was like, oh, that's interesting about Ebenezer. It's like that's not the thing. You're not there yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so Justine. Yeah. So back to Justine. Uh, so she, at White Knight, we see her as being capable, and after that point, we like assume that she is medicated and therefore stable and can be relied on for subterfuge spy supernatural shit. And that's what she does for the next couple of books. Well, especially like. since Harry essentially wants Thomas to give her that job. <laughs> like She's going to be our, our inside man, which she already is just for something else. Yeah, no, she's the triple agent. Oh, yeah. I just lied about being a double. Oh, right. The triple double agent. Those bastages. So, White Knight, she's running around in the deeps, helping Lara as she's supposed to, translating ancient Etruscan for Carlos because he doesn't understand it, even though Harry has a fallen angel and he doesn't need it. And then it's Turncoat when they're looking for whatever's going on with Morgan, and she provides a whole bunch of information and Craigslist posts. Mm -hmm. I mean, so can't... Like canon big books, you're right. But do we want to talk about the short stories, right? Because well, I guess backup is in here, right? So never mind. So I think backup, you get another tiny little piece of her running information for Thomas because yes. he's technically on the outs with the rates, even though he isn't. Sorry, that that was the thing. Didn't mean to derail uh, the whole. No, what, so. what? Where did backup take place? Like in between which it's, book? It's White Knight and Turncoat. That's why I brought it up. Oh, okay. Like, now let's talk about Turncoat. I'm like, okay. All right. So I think we only really see her when Lara tells Thomas that there is going to be some assignment for him in the Venatory, whatever. And he decides to blow her off. And then he goes home. And then it was Justine that was going to be giving him the assignment, if I remember right. Well, he so knows he had to go because of the heading was Oblivion War. So he knows he had to take it, you know. <laughs> whatever the task was seriously i'm actually glad i brought this up now because it's a bigger deal thinking that it's nemesis because now nemesis knows about the true venatory if if she's the courier right like not just like the little group that everybody else is familiar with but like well she knows at least about this side of it because uh, yeah. as far as the word of jim goes the archive keeps everything kind of fragmented so only she knows but, the the whole player thing but she, yeah she yeah, but Laura or Justine still knows Laura and Thomas. So right, so she's got yeah. that entire she knows cell this, lockdown. This wing of it. <laughs> yeah. And and potentially knows about the Oblivion War, which, you know, I could see the outsiders knowing about anyway, but you know. Well, as it, far as they're concerned, they basically are because they're just <laughs> I was gonna say, like, it'd be funny, like every time like an old god disappears, they show up on the outside and be like, Yay, reinforcements. <laughs> so Not what are food. you in for? <laughs> yeah. That too. Yeah. So, yeah, okay. So, anyway, turncoat. Okay, turncoat. She shows up at zero with the white leather onesie. And every time I read that scene, I think of that scene from, uh, I think of that scene from Tron, where Tron Legacy, where he's first in there and they, those like four women with the latex suits come into whatever. That's the outfit I think of every time. <laughs> it's probably accurate. It's just white, yeah, works. Um, yeah, and chopsticks. 
like she, at this time she's always having her hair up in chopsticks and whatnot. And that's when we get Madeline, Madeline, right? Madeline. Yeah. And she, so she's still very much protected by the whole love thing, mm -hmm. even though we can be certain that she's nemesis. Sure. Well, she's still in there. I mean, yeah, so, at some amount. I guess. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of beg the question. I don't imagine Nemesis like relinquishes control, or is this the kind of control where you know they just kind of are like that was weird, and then they reassert themselves or something like that, right? Because like, well, its base function seems to be in the background, kind of whispering in your ear like a fallen, like it influences right. you, but you don't necessarily know it's there. And if you're keen enough to recognize it, like Leah, you can do something about it. Or if you're Maeve and you just want to roll with it because it feels good. Or it can brute force you like it did with Cat Sith. But I think, in general, it just kind of sits there influencing you as much as it can without drawing attention to itself. Because otherwise, that's a that's a no-no. Makes sense. So the next time after Zero is when Shag Nasty attacks the Wraith Estate and they're all doing their day jobs in whatever office that Lara's running out of the estate. Let's see. Justine gets injured by like, I don't know, it hits her or something and then she's loopy afterwards. And this is when Lucio kind of pieces together that Thomas and Harry are brothers mm -hmm. because Justine was saying things like, you know, he really loves you and your family and please go get him back. Yep. Uh, so is that Justine so just that? being loopy or is it Nemesis being clever? Yeah, so is that Nemesis being intentionally trying to l let the council find out? Or is it more to motivate like Harry more because she needs him back for reasons? I don't I, I don't know. I don't see an angle there, right? Like that's the problem because so, like, you could say it's Nemesis, and you could try and draw a parallel to what happens afterwards, right? Where she is integral to his recovery by doing the, you know, multiple feedings situation and all of that. But I don't see the angle at that point in time. I can't imagine Nemesis as being like, oh, no, my bio donor is leaving. How am I going to have a baby with this vampire to use you as a, ma a manipulation in the next couple of years to go burn down an embassy? Like... I don't see a connection there, like other than the most like tenuous, uh, you know, like Nemesis is either way further reaching and, and looking than a lot of the other characters we've seen, which is possible or, you know, like that was just that could have just been Justine being Justine. And then it saw the math afterwards. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. there could be some of the calculation of just like if Lucio figures out that they're brothers and then the White Council will absolutely use that against him and that will cause more strife and more fighting and someone's going to die and weaken somebody, that could have been the whole play. And that was it. But then yeah, Lucio I mean, doesn't tell everyone, we hope. Yeah, I can't imagine she did. So, yeah. I don't, she probably hasn't told anybody, which is why Carlos is still a dick. So, yeah, I like, that would be a fun short story. Like let's get the, uh, you know, Lucio um, does wall to wall counseling with Carlos, you know, after mm -hmm. he fucks the pooch on that one. Like, are you fucking kidding me? I told you to bring him in. How do you shit the bed this bad? <laughs> like, how is this even remotely close to what I told you to do? Yeah, now he's out entirely. So, we can't control him whatsoever. 
right? Yeah, yeah, but he's out. Yeah, but do you have any idea what that means for us? That means he's out. <laughs> like, did you really think he was? Did you ever watch The Godfather? Time? Friends close, <laughs> enemies closer. Right, like. And sure as shit, we want Dresden on our side, no matter what happens. <laughs> like, yes, he's a loose cannon, but he was pointed that way. <laughs> he's a loose cannon cop on the edge who's two weeks away from never retiring. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Harry, Harry. Harry's not getting a retirement plan as much as I'd like to think a so. A permanent but, retirement plan. Yeah, I think I think Harry's going to transcend his transcend his struggles one way or another. But I don't think he's going to retire. You know, he's never going to be out like Mac yeah. is. So that's because he already is Mac. Wah, wah. It's because he's going to travel back in time to the four hundreds and become Arabian somehow, and then he's going to turn into geek. Mm -hmm. Okay. <laughs> Not okay. The opposite of every word. every character is Rashid. Not only that, he's going to get taller because Rashid is one of the few people that's taller than him. Magic right. can do that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. He's wearing lifts. In the, the seven hundreds, in the seven hundreds, he finds that entish water, and then so and then he becomes taller. Yeah, I mean, if he's Merlin, then I'm sure if he can do all sorts of dimension things and build the image, and he could just make himself a little bit taller. Why not? It's just neat. It's aesthetically pleasing. Oh, it reminds stick me out of a even old, more a very old D and D conversation because if he can do that, he can make a lava pit. So, <laughs> but if he can do all this magic, he can make himself six inches taller. Like, exactly. Why not? So that's how magic works. That's not how the force works. There you go. Got one more reference. <laughs> okay, so anything else she does? No, not not in turn. So no. All right. So when is the side story? Even hand now. takes place between turncoat and changes. Okay, right. I thought it was about now, but I wasn't sure. Yeah. Right. So right. Uh I was supposed to be reading some of these again over the across the week, and I did not. And so I was trying to read them through a little bit earlier. And this seems to be when Marcone is learning of the FOMOR or just maybe getting a refresher info dump of the FOMOR because he knows King Corb, even though Guard didn't say the name. When it's like, who is this asshole that's attacking now that Justine just showed up? Justine was sent by Lara to the FOMOR for some documents, she says. And then this guy, Mag, took her prisoner and she escaped with a child. And she ran to Marcone because she couldn't get to Lara's places. Mm -hmm. And she's asking for sanctuary and Marcone doesn't really want to give it up until the asshole shows up and starts threatening to take her back. Naturally. And he's got to protect the woman and child too, because him and Dresden are the same. No, Harry's Harry's busy. They're not the same, but they do align on this, and it's not like Marcone doesn't have a very poignant story beat on that. Whereas like Dresden is just old school chivalrous. So, but it's the they make justifications and whatever words they want to put to their philosophy, but they have the same lizard brain reaction. Someone needs to write the story of the assassin who's the opposite of like chivalrous and only kills women and kids okay yeah they did that was called white knight so she masqueraded like the scavis masqueraded as a woman to get closer to the women to murder them yeah. right sure. like that and and uh malvora and whatnot mm. yeah so mark marcone's thing isn't like it's different because of the little girl right like and 
if you fucking can listen to Marsters read that scene and not come out a shining white knight, then if that's what we're going to label every time a guy looks out for a female, then like, give me a break. Luckily no. for me, I don't listen to books I read. It's not books. every time. Yeah, it's, right. It's just kind of like, it's the same reaction that then they'll put justifications to because he, Marcone wasn't thinking. It was just like, there's this problem that is young and pretty and how dare she be young and pretty because that's going to get her into more trouble. And then there's an asshole and he just like, stops the asshole instead of hey, dealing with it elsewhere. Weren't you just saying he was going to turn her away, right? He was That doesn't threatening strike me to. as lizard brain. And no. then dude shows up and starts pissing in his territory and he's like, well, I am a tiger. Fuck you for coming into my territory and trying to do something about it. Marcone says that I he hear. is dick so. disinclined to acquiesce to Justine's request, but he yes. doesn't say no. that he's rejecting right? her. So, um, so I, I just want, I want a clear line in, in like the thinking though. Right. Like would so Marcone was supposed to throw her out no matter what, otherwise he's a no. white knight. Like, is that the only thing that saves him or is there a way for him to defend her that doesn't invoke being a white knight? He doesn't put himself into a worse position by helping her. He immediately gets into a worse position by helping her because then he has a, a Fomor on his ass in his stronghold and he has to use all those magic bullets. Which, yes, it's fun for us, but it's like... I mean, it would be slightly more in character for him to have an advantage right then and there, or, or at least not be losing something rather than just doing it because it's essentially the right thing. Right. But all of the things just kind of makes it seem like... That's what I'm saying. I feel like he gets backed into a corner more than anything. Well, yeah, no, it, I, think like, it's, I think it's more mitigated by the fact that the guy's basically in his territory. However, he could have just like essentially plan to get this guy later like he did Nicodemus and just kind of let it go for now and when it's more advantageous to him or if he has a coin at this point instead of saving that tidbit to surprise the readers <laughs> shoot a lightning bolt in his face <laughs> <laughs> nah i yeah i can't imagine he would have this was not the place to make that reveal but i do like the fact that it it basically set us up with the magic bullets and, you know, seeing that pay off in battleground. So, but. So even hand is interesting for many reasons. Part of it being that Justine gets to see what's going on with Marcone. And so we got a hint of that and a skin game. And they mentioned it like Harry knew all of the uh, preparations that Marcone was doing because Justine had seen it and then shared it. But so is Nemesis getting all of this and why it, are they being so entangled in this anyway? Like, why is Lara talking to the Fomor? Was Lara even talking to the Fomor? It was Justine lying about that. And then deliberately, we have to assume deliberately because it makes more fun that way that she went to Marcone to get him involved, which he was still involved in bombshells, I think, right? Unless I, I should have read that one and I haven't. <laughs> Not in a long time. Um, someone else look at it. Well, um, I mean, yeah. bombshells is more the. I think it's part and. Um, I mean, it, it is implied in that book, from what I remember, that McCall definitely thinks she went to him on purpose. Like, right. whether I don't remember if she admits it or not. I mean, at this point, the Fomar aren't. I mean, they could be making a play. They could be seeing the writing on the wall coming, but they they exist and people know about them. But they're just not making their move because the red court haven't been annihilated yet. 
So there's reason to treat with them or do things with them, I imagine. There's still definitely some behind the scenes questions though, right? Because it's, I mean, Ethnew's been hiding this whole time, right? But she, maybe she sees the writing on the wall or maybe they were preparing regardless of, you know, the red court going that just kind of, you know, stepped up their timetables or maybe worse, like they thought they had an ally since red court is clearly like, you know, team outsider, you know, for a little while. And then they're like, well, shit, we better get in motion or something. But I can't well, imagine have... like the FOMOR didn't just like materialize an army in the last three years. You know, no, but they had, they're, they're already all the cast offs. They're all the people, they have that fake connection. So plan within a plan. It doesn't hurt to have a backup force in case your main force gets, I don't know, killed by a giant ritual curse that they left lying around while some idiot wizards nearby. <laughs> so, you know, it doesn't hurt. Plus, she obviously had her own plans that she'd been building all this time. They had a force that they could, with her at the helm, even if they wanted to get rid of the Red Court, they could contend with it because she's a titan with the eye. Right. And they're in the ocean. The vampires have no play there. Right. So it works on any particular way they want to slice it. Which is some of the fun of, you know, the bad guy planning is that usually when they go into play, especially the immortal types, you know, they've got three or more win conditions, right? You know, it's very rarely that it's like, oh, no, you took out the red court. All of my plans are ruined. You know, it's like, oh, well, here comes the FOMOR or, you know, whatever. So, Well, that's the other thing. I mean, the red quarter is being led by a blood junkie who's unstable. So if Nemesis and the outsiders are like, well, they've outlived their useless usefulness. Let's just see where the chips fall on this one. There's your backup plan. Right. Fair enough. So, continuing with Justine after even hand, don't think we see much of her. We don't see her in changes. We don't see her in the aftermath or ghost story, except for at the end when she's being a nutritionist. For Thomas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. That's when she's probably starts the uh, let's make a progeny plan. Mm. Right. Yeah. I mean, those two, I can't imagine they weren't otherwise related, you know? So mm-hmm. as far as Thomas is concerned, it's just a happy accident and, you know, completely unlikely as we get in, you know, the beginning of peace talks and that sort of thing, but it happens. So. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as he's concerned, he's like 90% sterile anyway. Or more than, you know, but yeah, like, funny thing about statistics, if you pull the trigger enough times, eventually it's going to come up. (laughs) So, but yeah. No, Cody, you cannot have a special nutritionist. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you can, but no one's going to set that one up for you. If if Andreas can have a real-life friend, you can have a special nutritionist, all right? (laughs) Anything's possible, is that what we're saying? So, If you believe hard enough, you too can run a podcast (laughs) on the internet that 50 people watch. Have you been a good boy this year or a very naughty boy, Cody? Works either way. Right. All right, back to the hentai. (laughs) Okay. Uh, bombshells. Um, Wiki says it just takes place in the time of Ghost Story, but obviously it wasn't concurrently. I'm pretty sure it was after, right. or I was right because that's when it's Molly. It's not like Molly had to get cleaned up. 
on her way to the meeting or anything. Right. So, well, I, I but she does get cleaned up in bombshells. So, uh -huh. and Andy this goes is on probably about her during shoes. his rehab time, more or less. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense because then Leah was able to let it slip that he's alive because now he is actually alive, mm -hmm. sort of. Well, I mean, but Mab grabs him immediately. So, uh, sorry, I, when you said rehab time, we were just talking about Thomas. So uh, that's where my mind was. But yeah. So, uh, anyway, but yeah, right. Leah lets us. Yeah. So Thomas had stumbled into the Svartelves. How again? He's just there and he's been captured. Thomas? Yeah, Thomas was taken Thomas by the Svartelves. He was, well, he was partaking in extracurriculars. I Like, he's been there for two weeks, hasn't he? So Well, something, like, so, god damn it. He, he was there at the Svartelves, and then he was having issues uh, getting out, and Justine didn't know what was going on, and though yeah. she was really worried, but he was also making nice with making new friends, making the <laughs> Svartelve ladies very happy. Yeah, I so, I'm getting glimpses of the Futurama episode with the Amazons where it's like, <laughs> we've captured you and now you will be punished with Boom Boom for two weeks. You know, like... Oh, no. Uh, it's New yeah. Snoop. It's New Snoop. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Sorry. So, boom Boom, you boom, yeah. boom. I don't even watch Futurama and I know that. <laughs> that, that is Why the, don't that you is... watch Futurama? Do we have to treat you like we did Cody? <laughs> right? I mean, I have watched, I've actually watched more Futurama than I've watched Simpsons, but I don't watch either of them. Yeah, like, but I was like, I don't go out of my mean, way. Like two episodes versus one, like big deal. No, it's more like fifty <laughs> episodes versus twenty or so, yeah. something like that. Because it's on Comedy Central all the time. So growing up, you know, it's always there. Gotcha. When you're that bored and you really your brain cells aren't working, you don't care what's on. So do they do they talk about why Thomas was there in the first place at all, um, or just in, that he gets captured? So the the foreword for Bombshells he says is written between the end of Changes and the beginning of Ghosts. Oh, it got written between it, but that's not what it said. But I'm going to shut up until I know the answer. Until the words that. come to you, <laughs> yeah. Because right. that was forget the answer. Just go with English. <laughs> like complete sentences, please. No. Um, yeah, but I mean, so Molly, Molly's already kind of playing the ragged lady though, right? So yeah. I know there's only a couple of months between changes and ghost story, right? There, it's like three to six, six months. months, six months. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, but Molly's clearly already the ragged lady because, you know, it's been long enough for them to be concerned. It's been long enough for her to be living on the street because that's pretty much where they find her, if I remember. And they have to get her cleaned up so that they can do the whole Andy and and Molly and Justine, Charlie's Angels bits, you know. So, um, so you know, it's it's probably been three to five ish months somewhere in there. You know, may, who cares? It could be the week before, but either way, by the time she shows back up in Ghost Story, she's clearly the ragged lady again, you know. And people haven't seen her for a while. So, well, if Lee Lee is talking about her being alive at the end of this. This means it has to have happened after his ghost was running around already. Why is that? Because Leah's talked to him? No, because when they talk, when they have that conversation in the car in cold days, and she's like, Auntie Leah, let it slip that you were back or whatever. Right. So that means he's now alive again and in the state where he's physical. 
as opposed to because she saw him essentially fade away into nothingness at the end of Ghost Story. So she has no reason to <clears throat> think he's alive again unless that information is coming from Leah, which it does at the end of this. It's like, oh, by the way, Harry's back. Okay, so Justine goes to Molly at Butters' house for help because Thomas has disappeared. Laura sent Thomas on an errand and then he hasn't come back. So Justine is initiating this whole thing with Molly, be finding her at not wherever Molly lives because Molly didn't live anywhere at the time. And how does Justine know how to find Molly? Magic. Mm. Special outsider powers. Mm -hmm. When you got 13 spies running around, it's really easy to find people even in Chicago. Okay. I don't know. The plot demands it. That's the real answer, director. You know that. Ugh. <laughs> that is that is often the answer, right? And many things. That is always the answer. <laughs> yeah, right. They, why did this happen? Cleverly... Because the plot had it to continue. That's why. <laughs> it's but you still kind of want to feel like it. Times, but <laughs> right. Still want to feel like it makes logical sense, right? You'd like that, but you know better. <laughs> the answer is always that, regardless of whether or not you can mental gymnastic your way into making the plot make sense. So we're going to take a quick intermission while the director reads this entire short story. <laughs> what are you looking for? Luckily, we've got um, 15 minutes left, so plenty of time. I, I couldn't remember if Marcone was involved in bombshells, which would be significant. I'm trying to figure out like what Thomas was doing, maybe something to do with that necklace, because I, th I know that that got mentioned. Um, and then wondering where it, it took place. Right? So I'm pretty sure this... Bombshells has to take place after Ghost Story for the fact that <laughs> if you. Ghost Story, if Molly knew that Harry was alive, then she wouldn't have been as broken as she was in Ghost Story. My God, we're two minutes ago. <laughs> I was reading. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> that was such a reaction time. So. <laughs> and he'll, he'll respond in another minute and a half. It's fine. So. Yeah, yeah, so. No, it's Thomas is there because he was trespassing. And, um. But why? Well, because apparently that's they want to set up the fact that he's going to kill Smart Doves later. <laughs> but Laura sent him there, according to Justine. So what the well, hell is maybe, Laura doing? Maybe one person's emissary is another person's cat burglar. Right. Because they're signing some sort of. No, the treaty with the Fomors, and that obviously doesn't work out. Right. Yes. Right. On account of um, trying to murder everybody. So. Right. So it could have been that Laroa was sending him there to stop that or something. And they didn't take kindly to that. And they were like, we're just going to make you have sex with us as, as payment. That was a horror. Because at that point, punishment and diplomacy look about the same to the white court. So Aggressive negotiations. Now I'm getting flashbacks of Monty Python. Be like, well, they caught him breaking into the place. Now the spankings. So uh, the castle and Yeah, <laughs> I really need to rewatch that again. It's been too long. If if it's been more than a week, it's probably about time. So 
Well, there was a point in time during my youth where it would have been once a week. (laughs) The first time you discover that movie, you can't not watch it again like every other day for months on end. Right. Yeah, my favorite bit of uh, my favorite bit of um, extra credit in high school, my U.S. art history teacher for AP World Art History, that that was just like once per semester extra credit. And he had the, the like mini oil based popcorn machine. So it was like, come get free actual real popcorn and watch Monty Python, the Holy Grail for extra credit for world art history. Yes, I will be there. Like <laughs> I will figure out any way to be there for that. So uh, jealous. Right. Oh, Andy flat out says that this is after when Harry's ghost shows up. Amazing. Shut up. <laughs> and again, Leah at the end says he's not yet dead. Sure. Yes, I know that. Leah tells Molly, but when, shut up, shut up. He's Molly. not dead yet, but he'll be dead in a minute. So He's only mostly dead. <laughs> right. Which is How many references alive. can we get? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, you haven't made the Blade now, I know Princess Bride and Monty Python aren't the same movie, but for these scenes, it works so well. <laughs> Some motherfucking Svartals are always trying to ice skate up there. That's a good that in there, didn't you? Well, the director reminded me to, uh, so yeah. yes. Like, how could we not? It goes with everything. It's the only thing that can make Monty Python and Holy Grail better is if that line was in it. I need to rewatch Blade. Yes, you do. It's been forever. Also true. Are you going to pin it as being a perfect movie Python. or... Now, obvious. We've established that line makes every movie better, just like Nicolas Cage. So yes, it's obviously it's a perfect movie. No. So Monty Python, would it be the cops that, that get the line? You have to go all the way down to the cops, and when they're arresting them, some motherfuckers are always trying to escape a bill. Like. I, I, maybe. It, that would be good there. It would be um, you could do it with the witch scene where instead of what she says, you could be like some motherfuckers are always trying, as they're trying to drag her off to go drown her. <laughs> Or um, when when the um, the effeminate son is climbing out the window and the dad cuts the bed sheet, he's like some motherfuckers are always trying to escape Bill. and just let him fall through. He's not dead. Right. right. I want I want the French knight to say it somehow though. I want that to make sense. <laughs> so uh, with this French accent. Yeah. Right. Some English pig dogs are always trying to escape that hill. Nice. So, director, did you finish it? We only got 10 minutes. Yeah, are we done with this short story? That is not part of the topic of this. (laughs) Right. So, she shows up in cold days and fucks everything up because Uh, she shows up in the same place as another outsider and a fallen angel. Except that Jim forgot that he was going to infect her at this point. So, she's she's there and not doing what she could have been doing. Yeah, because we talked about that. That was all pre-show, right? Where it's like, so we literally have... Yeah, there's you know, he who four. walks before and he who walks beside in the same place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Three and, of them are on the island. Yeah. And we've got an angel, or at least a retired angel or something, who should be able to tell. Yeah, because and... specifically <laughs> Justine and Mac were like always hanging near each other and he was trying to help her up the hills. And and, and then when he got in, gets now, into Mac was white knighting. This is what helping her up hills on Demon Reach. That's what you're going to call white knighting. I got to fucking listen to you tell me that because Marcone defended his territory, that he was white knighting. 
the guy who is a fallen angel or whatever we want to call him, he's actually literally like holding on to her like she's made of lace. That's not white knighting. Like, <laughs> give me a break. No, that's white godding because he's an angel. Right. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of white knights, I mean, you know, all the angels are like, protect the women and children. So, like, I, I don't know. Uriel was pretty okay yeah, with just no, slaughtering the firstborn first born. in Egypt. So, it's all part of God's ineffable plan. We, we pay no attention to that sequence of events for certain. Uh, so. If you do it, you pay a big piece of attention to it. Right. Thou Butters probably is at home like, really, Yeah, thou shalt not kill unless you've really cheesed God off and then then you'll pay. So anyway. <laughs> Either you will pay directly or he will command somebody else to make you pay. You can send all of your hate mail for me to care of Director Alex and <laughs> at the Netherlands. We'll put it in the very important circular file. But yes, so anyway. So. Angels have that whole like apocalypse thing. So yeah, and it will be interesting to like try to piece out why wouldn't Justine act right then when she's inside the circle with Mab and Maeve and everyone else who's important, right? Maybe because I mean, Demon we... Breach, because Alfred was that, that much of a threat. That'd be interesting. No, well, that I... might that might be the retcon now, but you know yeah. that wasn't the plan, right? Yeah, so because Nemesis is literally in at least three people, right? We were talking about Cat Sith, Justine, and Maeve influencing yeah. at least three people. Um, you know, if not also some of her, you know Maeve's like attendants or whatever. And then you know you've got obviously like it's not even just you know he who walks before like they brought a bunch of like outsider cannon fodder, right? So there's literally an army of outsiders outside. There's, you know, at least one defunct god and a couple of other miners, you know, that are in a similar power. I mean, for fuck's sake, the Earl King throws down with Ethniel. So he's, sure, he's a slouch in that crew, but he's not a slouch overall, right? Mm. So it's just like, this very easily could have been, if not the end, would have been a very good kicking off point. And it's such a big deal that there are reverberations in time mm -hmm. because Demon Reach explodes in an alternate timeline. But this is the part that Nemesis sits out. <laughs> like, or at least kind of does. Like, holds back because Maeve is obviously all in. But Justine doesn't, like, try to bump somebody's elbow or maybe Nemesis can't act directly. Maybe it doesn't have that kind of power like, because you know, Harbinger inside. does, you know. Well, I mean, yeah, except for the fact that it takes over Cat Sith and works directly in this book. Great, so, but maybe well, yeah, there's a difference between the Nemesis infection versus the Outsider. Justine having he who walks beside might have different restrictions than whatever happens to Cat Sith and Maeve. Right. But it's the same yeah, thing. It's Nemesis. I mean, that's different. what it is. Different motivations can also be like like my thoughts goes to um, uh, the Stormlight Archive. There are, you know, there are people a part of the evil faction, but they definitely have their own agenda and are not really that interested in the overall plan. Yeah, but this I guy mean, doesn't have an agenda with himself. If that argument holds, because it's Maeve right. doing the plan, and then it's Justine just chilling. Right, but like even just that, in the way that like he walks before, he walks behind, are restricted as to where they can be to you, as you see in Ghost Story with he walks behind. 
then there might be other restrictions on uh, he who walks beside that could mean that she has to prod someone else to do the action. Right. I, I mean, was thinking like the, the main thing that makes sense is that nemesis can't act independently. Like that's part of the restriction on being able to take people because they took, took Maeve, obviously the powerhouse out of the three of them. Cat Sith isn't a slouch, but you know, compared to the winter lady, obviously is second. And then Justine is like, I could throw a rocket Harry really hard, you know? So maybe that's the difference is that nemesis can't manifest in a similar way as he who walks before can, uh, and just throw down because I, I think that's my assumption is that, you know, why didn't nemesis just like pop out of the bodies and be like, cool, let's do this. And right. obviously no, I could, could, he would have with Maeve there. Right. I could, I so. could see that being the reason because there's no reason to brute force Cat Sith if he could just pop out if he wanted to. Right. It works through, which is fine. But then that seems to, it seems to clash against the idea that the limit on Nemesis is how many people it could take. If you also then throw in, and the effects of which it has, those people vary from person to person because then it's just like an overkill. Well, yeah, it's. I imagine it's limited by whatever their metaphysical powers are, right? We didn't see Justine do anything that Justine couldn't do just because she's got Nemesis in her. She didn't sprout tentacles. She didn't suddenly become a practitioner or a dozen other things that would have belied that she's getting pumped up power from somewhere. She's just a sneakier, eviler version of Justine with a baby in her. You know, like, that. that's all we get. I mean, you know. the best thing that could do is probably now that he's remembered this is the thing is that she was with Mac is going to have made another long play influence there rather than something overt in that moment. Because I'm fine with the idea of, you know, you're not showing all your cards and whatever, because um, obviously it, it's it knows that its plan could fail, even if it doesn't think it will. It could right. be that Max's presence could be the retcon of why she didn't act because he's out, but he was very powerful, and that might he was right next to her. Maybe that would be enough to make him not out anymore, and they didn't want to bring an angel back into it. Well, and I mean, and he's I mean, dealing the with a gut shot, though. So. Yeah, and the ultimate in there is that Mac. I feel like Mac should have known anyways, unless it's one of those intellectus like he could have known but he had to think about it first you know or whatever well, i mean i think we but, did ask jim right i was like so all of those people who were very powerful right next to justine and they didn't notice demon reach didn't notice and he's like no it's that hard demon reach is yeah is the other exception because it's like that's kind of his thing right it's like you know he's presumably there to help enforce and fight outsiders you know well i mean harry thing. even makes that because it seems like i could I sort of understand the idea that you have to pay attention to what this thing is. You know, not even Rashid at the apex of his station as the gatekeeper can always be sure type deal. But one, once you get to a certain high level, I mean, I know they're from the outside, but you should have a pretty good idea. And right. two, you have the island that's specifically built for this. And even Harry makes the hint that you don't <laughs> want to show up without me there on the island. And it's not just because he'd be without, she would be there without him. It's what she is in now. Because right. people have showed up to the island to visit him, and they felt uncomfortable, but they weren't immediately locked in prison. Right. So it seems like Demon Reach is more or less able in the know in that moment, as far as Harry's concerned. Right. 
Well, and even as far as Nemesis is concerned, because Nemesis right, because out. it bails. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Nemesis is like, I don't know. Maybe he's bluffing, but I ain't gonna fucking try it. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm saying it's definitely not perfect, but I can. We we have been focusing on the you know why didn't Justine act? Where it's like. Justine was probably like some of the least of his options at that point in time. And what exactly is she going to do that Maeve or Cat Sith couldn't do, you know, versus there are at least two entities that were also on the island that should have known better, you know. And mm -hmm. you again, you could say Alfred was distracted, you know, or something like that, even though he's managing to mount a defense and fight off, you know, these two uh, she queens or. You know, like Mac is distracted because he's got a gut shot. I don't know. Because, I mean, it does kind of seem to incapacitate him until Mab shows up and pulls the bullet out. Because the scene is like literally Mab reaches in, grabs the bullet, pulls it out, dumps it on his chest, and then he's better. Yeah. You know, so he kind of gets the Wolverine thing where it's like, yes, I can regenerate, but not while it's still in my brain. You know, well, or whatever. Like he, but. It, he, it always seems to be an act that he's putting on. Of Like, he probably could have healed better, but then I think he was conscious... And then she stuck a hand in his guts, pulled out the bullet. Then he was unconscious and healed within an hour. Like right. by knocking him out, he was healing yeah, faster. I think he previous... Basically, pretty, pretty fast. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, well, it definitely previously... wasn't an hour. I, just, I don't remember. Do you want me to try to read that book to find that? No, I'm no, telling I'm... you. I just like the other story. I'm telling you the answer. You don't have to read it. Right. Stuck his fingers into the wound and pulled out the bullet, dropping it on his chest. The wound started closing as soon as she was done. Murphy notices that quick healing is different to when he was beaten up at the bar and Dresden ponders that maybe it is because he was conscious then. Mm -hmm. So it's literally like, yeah. I mean, that's the wiki and we all know that the wiki has gaps at times. So, <laughs> but still it's covered. Yeah, but I'm agreeing but, with it this time. So it's right. Well, no, I'm just saying like, if the wiki's got it, then it's a pretty good bet. <laughs> so. That was a very EG <laughs> thing to say. And then Murphy asks McAnally where he is. He says, I'm out. <laughs> so, what are you anyway? I'm out. <laughs> such a great line. Anyway. Well, so good then for we have Peace Talks and Battleground, which apparently we don't need to talk about. Because no, we can. It's fine. We need to I just figured, I figured this was more of a retrospective <laughs> based on that rather than going over. Yeah. Kind of, right. of like, what does it lead us to now of... of this is why Justine is acting so funny. And like we actually get to see her acting funny in peace talks and obviously Battleground being the reveal, but the various changes that she went through of like she's loopy as a crochet convention and then she's stable, we think, we're going to assume because it's easier that way. So you don't, it's a lot like what he said when uh, Lucio had been mind messed with to be in love with Harry of like, you don't question why your friend suddenly gets happy. Right. Like you don't, you're not going to look too hard at when your friend is suddenly stable and capable of acting and not as crazy as she was. And so we're just going to go with it that she's now better. Just to clarify, though, like the grave peril thing where she's loopy as a crochet convention, I think that's because she was off her meds at that point, right? Yeah. Not because I mean, like that's obviously her normal state, but it was it was her normal state because Thomas wasn't around, right? So but when she magically gets better later. It's because she's around Thomas, you know. So well, it's um, it's easy to draw that line. Anyway. It's implied that like after like between blood rights and like ghost story changes, um, 
they had hadn't been able to have close contact. She wasn't getting her medication, hmm. but she was capable and active. That's fair. Yeah, because she was under the protection of love that whole time. Mm -hmm. So they wouldn't have been able to get together. Yeah. Well, now she's Carmen San Diego running around fucking up the place with a baby. Mm -hmm. Like that'll be fun. Yeah. So we'll have a, a nice at least three month old by the time, you know, twelve months is over. So. Yeah. And do you think we'll see her for the next couple of books? Probably none. I don't imagine. I kind of hope not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and like it, the the problem is like Harry's getting a bunch of things that are on his to-do list, but it, because of the pacing of the books and that sort of thing, I don't imagine he's going to check some of those off for a little while, right? Like it's possible, knowing Harry, that he, that he tries to hat up with Ramirez and they go after the vampire kids or something, but he doesn't also have time to go after Justine. He if he's going to head up with Ramirez, he better get a good apology first. He better shoot him in the neck first. Um, <laughs> actually, this is, this is the one book where he probably does have time because all the other books are over the course of like four days at most. And this one is sure. actually over the course of a year. Yeah, but I mean, the, there's there's a lot of lake work, right? Like I get he's a detective, but he's not like Batman. You know, no, he's but not, he has Lara's spy network right now. There. That, that's what I was going to say is he's probably going to leave Justine to Laura's people, you know, as much as anything, like he might help them out or whatever, but they're probably going to do most of the late work, Possibly yeah, well, both, both accounts, right? Because he's also supposed to be healing and going on dates and trying not to get eaten. We'll yeah. get a perfunctory, you know, I tried a tracking spell with some materials Laura could provide and I whistled up some spirits that still I had good relations with and nothing came of it because the plot doesn't need it yet. Right, right. We've got 8 billion little people looking for her, but they can't find her anywhere. No matter how just, many people. Just tell them others. she has pizza and they will find her. <laughs> right. That bitch, Justine, she's just hiding out there somewhere with a baby. No more pizza till you find her. Boom gone <laughs> yeah that that'll happen yeah when it becomes plot relevant as you said so mm -hmm. <laughs> all right we well, did it yay hooray go team all right andreas plug movie? stuff did we pick that yet you said galaxy quest uh oh, uh plug plug uh give us money um patreon give it but there's some podcast broken jaws xyz we have a patreon uh yeah we can't afford these cheap people we also have other shows none of them are active right now i think hey. though, but we have them there's back one of them's active and at least yeah. two people watch it and two of them are here Right. What do you so Cody and guest? Just, just about, about the, Galaxy the, Quest. The other Dresden, not Dresden show, mm -hmm. aka one where we yeah we have one we weren't recording. So every other week is Dresden. Every other week is one we weren't recording, where we talk about whatever we want. We have been talking about movies lately, but we also cover other things, Good like Star Wars sometimes. So <laughs> and Blade. Right. We talk about things that aren't movies and aren't Dresden, like Star Wars. You know, pop culture, like whatever we want. All right. Anything well, else we need to pluck? Uh, uh, the uh, drive-through RPG. If you play RPGs, we have a link. If you use that, we get some money. EG would like you to plug Ramirez. <laughs> Bye. 
I would like to plug Romero.